Welcome to the Six Ways from Sunday podcast. Today's episode is episode number one of our second season. So welcome to 2019. Thanks for joining us. And if you've listened to the show before uh, through our first season, you'll know that these episodes usually are about a half an hour conversation, uh, usually between myself, Ben Wilson, I'm the host, and uh, Reverend Robin King who's the minister at the Basha United Church and the Pinocchio United Church. And usually what we do is sit down over a cup of coffee and just have a casual conversation about various topics uh, that relate to faith and exploring the way that we live that faith out and and share our love and um, interact with others in, in this life. So... Uh, we, we got to some really interesting places last year through the first season of this show. We talked about everything from why did Adam and Eve have to leave the Garden of Eden, uh, explored a lot of different great stories from the Bible um, and their, uh, their various levels of meaning. And uh, we always tried to make it contemporary and bring it back to things that people are dealing with in their everyday lives here in uh, 2018-2019. So, To kick off our second season, uh, we wanted to shake things up and do something a little bit different in the format of the podcast, and we've decided to start uh, uh, inviting some different guests onto the show. So tonight, I'm really excited to welcome uh, my cousin, Ty Wilson, um, another uh, member of the Basha community. And uh, he was, uh, he's a listener of the show, first of all, and uh, took an interest and asked if, if uh, he could join us for, for a chat. So we're doing this in the evening, and instead of a coffee, we're, uh, we're doing BYOB tonight and enjoying a few different beverages. We've got some pepperoni to snack on, and uh, it's, I think it's going to be a good night. So I'm here with Robin King and Ty Wilson. Uh, guys, welcome, and thanks so much for joining me tonight. Thanks, Ben. Yeah, thanks for having me, even though I really had to beat down your door to get in here. It was the hardest podcast to get on. Uh, unlike the United Church, um, this is not the, <laughs> the most welcoming. No, uh, obviously, we, uh, we're excited to have you here. And just like the United Church, our door is always open. So I'm so glad that you asked, Ty. So um, just to give folks an idea of what we're going to talk about tonight, usually we have a loose idea for a topic, and then we let the conversation just uh, unfold organically. And uh, what's really interesting about having Ty on is, Ty, you're not a churchgoer, uh, and we want to talk about why that is. So uh, essentially the question for tonight that we're going to explore between you and, and our minister Robin here and, and myself, I'll, I'll chime in as well, um, is, so Ty, why don't you come to church? So let's dive into it. Well, I'd like to qualify all of this before I give you any any reasoning and just say that it's predominantly laziness, you know, to require me to get up and get out of the house and make an effort. So that's 90% of it. But let's get into the meat of it. <clears throat> In my older age, I can look at the church and see um, that it's much more than just worship. It's, uh, you know pillar in the community, especially this community. And so when I see that, I realize, you know, I really need to start getting there and uh, contributing because it's not fair that I should be able to take this much from this community and not give something back. But up until now, as an angry young man, (laughs) um, 
I'm pretty steadfast in my beliefs. Um, some things always just resonated with me, and I never, never questioned them. And then other things, you know, that I was taught as a youngster never sat well. And so, uh, but, you know, as a kid, you don't really question it. You go along, and I guess I would have called myself a Christian. I, I would still call myself a Christian, but, you know, as a child, I was, so yeah, that was my, my faith uh, in the conventional sense, heaven and hell and all that. Um, I would have been about 15 and I thought, you know, this Bible's pretty interesting. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to try to read this thing front to back, which is not a good idea. But I said, I'm going to try and read this front to back. And so I got to the first page of Ten Commandments. And I said, hey, I like that. You know, all that stuff really sits well with me. Especially the part, uh, you know, I think it was maybe the next page, but God loves all his children. And I said, yeah, I think if there's something, an entity... Um, that could have the the power to create all of this, then he's not bothered by petty things, you know, in this uh, mortal coil. And so as nice as it would be to think that all my enemies will be smited from the earth just because I'm holier than they are, you know, it's a nice uh, concept, but I, it ultimately didn't sit well with me. So anyhow... I read on into the Bible, and I got to uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, and it's, it's only like three chapters later. What is it? Uh, what's, the, uh, what's the actual chapter called? It uh, starts with an L. Leviticus. Got to Leviticus. Apparently, you know the Bible better than me, so <laughs> that's, that's, that's cool. That's, uh... So I got to Leviticus, and God's pretty angry in Leviticus, and... Um, but hey, maybe he had his reasons, but that doesn't seem to really fly with me. Because if God loves all his children, he loves all his children. You know, you don't go to then go on and make all these, put these asterisks with it about, yeah, but, yeah, but. It's like, no, all his children. And, uh, and as he got into it, I just found that there were too many inconsistencies in the Bible itself. Um, and that kind of turned me off of the whole thing, which was not fair because I still am a bit of a proponent that I think the Bible might have been, there, we might have lost some of the nuance in, tran, in translation. You know, uh, I've been at a place on a Friday night and seen events transpire that by the time they got back to me through the grapevine on a Monday, they'd been so bastardized. So I thought... Yeah, but I'm sure 2,000 years, <laughs> hundreds of generations. Well, here's a, a good question for Robin. As your um, knowledge of the Bible and theology is much more vast than you would care to admit to most people, I, I know it is. Um, so, you, you know, we're, I take your point, Ty, but we're not really dealing with stories that are 2,000 years old. We're, I mean, there's been a lot of translations from language to language, but essentially from the time of Christ to when, quote-unquote, the Bible was written down or recorded, like what kind of time span, Robin, are we dealing with where it, be, where it went from an oral tradition to a recorded, like a written record? And, and would that have been, like, give us kind of a timeline, if you can, just really <laughs> quickly, like, new... Uh, 
King James version, uh, whatever came before that. How long did it take to get to that point? No. <laughs> uh, well, no, I can't because you can't. I mean, there's a, there's all sorts of biblical scholarship that that will you know tell you um, you know different parts of things that we take for granted as having been, as being like one thing, um, and it's always been like that. It's actually, you know, that's the fourth or fifth incarnation of it, right? Like there's been bits of it, it's been edited and redacted and all sorts of stuff like that. And then on top of, uh, on top of that, you get the whole issue of uh, back in the day, right? They copied everything by hand and it wasn't unusual for people to make mistakes or add stuff in the margin. <laughs> not to mention the King James Version is um, not the best translation ever because things were changed. Right, and it's beautiful language and everything, but there's inaccuracies in the translation and all sorts of stuff like that. And people have different versions of. It. There's just so many different uh, things. the The issue is, I think, that stories that were originally told orally got written down, and so you don't even know how many times they were told orally before they got written down, right? And then once they started to break them down, they may have been changed over time too, right? So, so there's no. And to me, that to me, that's a that's kind of a uh, to me that's a non-issue because to me, um, the Bible, the the importance of the Bible is that what it tells is things that are true, um, whether the actual facts of the story are are real or not. It's the truth that's at the heart of the story that's the important part. Um, bearing in mind that that, of course, then implies that I already think that the Bible's interpretive and not the literal word of God. <laughs> Um, because I don't think it, it, it isn't, it can't be, it, it, like it was written down by human beings, right? Much like, much like the church, right? Created by human beings. That's religion is we created it. Right? Yeah. And I don't think it's without merit. I think there's a lot of, yeah. a lot of value in the book. I just know that, um, for a lot of people who were in my frame of mind, a lot of people are turned off by the extremists that, hold it up and say, you know, whatever verse, whatever chapter, because it, I, I agree with you. I don't think it's a literal, uh, the literal word of God. I think it's an interpretation. So what did you, so when you were talking about your, imp, uh, your, your early impressions of yeah. the Bible when you were a teenager, which is like, that's a great time to be exploring in a really volatile time <laughs> of like where you, what you believe and what you start questioning is all up for, you know, uh, it's all up in the air. What, so take us back to okay. So here we are. So I'm 15, and I'm a little disenfranchised. Yeah. With um, the my readings of the Bible and how there are too many inconsistencies to be taken literally, which is the way it seems to be taken by a lot of people in the world, and that turned me off. Um, but what I wasn't mature enough to do at the time was um, divorce the two. And that the Bible is not God and the God is not Bible. And God is not the Bible. Um, so I kind of just watched the whole thing at the time. You know, and then also, like I'd had a pretty strong moral compass and I'd been surrounded by a pretty good family and I, I was pretty well aware, or mostly, of right from wrong. And so after reading the Bible and not really feeling like, yeah, there's a lot of things in here that, that resonate with me, um, but I still had my own convictions that, well, I think a lot of this is just wrong. And so, you know, when it comes to stuff like a, a house of worship and things like that, 
I didn't uh, necessarily feel God there as much or more in any other room. And I still maintain that to this day. I think there's as much God in this room, or as much connection to God in this room as there is in, in any church on any given Sunday. Now, again, in my older age, I realize that that's not really the point. I mean, it is for some, certainly. But, you know, there are so many other facets to, to church on Sunday, so many other benefits. Um, but at the time, that's all I saw it for was, you know, to create a connection with God and, and uh, to show gratitude and things like that. And so I guess at the time it was a little bit of a, a little bit of spite not to do it. And I didn't feel any less um, connected, you know. And the other thing was, <clears throat> I was a little bit annoyed at uh, certain preachings because in my, again, skeptical 15, 16-year-old mind, I'm like, man, you don't know. Like, nobody knows, you know, and I'm not going to know until whenever. And then I'll know, I'm going to know it all in good time, but I'm not going to worry about it until then. And so uh, the comparison had always drawn, and I'm sure it's not a new idea, but I'd never heard it anywhere else before, was <clears throat> that me trying to figure out the next place from this place it would be a lot like me trying to figure out this place from the womb. And I just didn't have the tools or the capacity. It wouldn't be fair to a, a fetus to say, hey, what's the deal with physics, you know? But in time, I think I'll, I'll know. So I'm going to, instead of... Now, again, it doesn't mean that I shouldn't go to church on Sunday. It just means that I'm not going to stay awake at night pining to know the answers. Well, so far, so far, clearly, you definitely need to go to church. <laughs> we, we, we have to keep you from the we have a fire lot of lake. Work to do. Yeah, we got a lot of work to do there. Um, no, we, it, that's the thing, though, is uh, it, it, honestly, I he hasn't said anything I can argue with. Um, so, you know, uh, so uh, no, no, of course it doesn't. And, and, but that's the point, right? I mean, that's, and that's the thing is that the, quite often it, it, what it turns into is, um, this, this interpretation is right. This interpretation is wrong. And in fact, that's probably why we have so many different churches, right? Is that you go to the one, unfortunately, see, I, I perceive that as you should go to the one where you're. Uh, you're most comfortable and you feel like you belong with those people because I don't think people go to church for God. I think they go for the people to that specific church, right? Or for the food. Or for, or for the food, Ben. He said with a mouth full of pepperoni stick. Good, <laughs> good job, Ben. Um, but um, the thing is, like, like everything you said is, I, I, I 100%, um, I don't think uh, church is about... Uh, there was a time when we thought church was the sacred place set apart where God is, right? And that, that comes from uh, the Jewish tradition of God lives, literally lives in the temple, right? That it's, it's the house of God. And so it's a sacred space set apart. I didn't and, know that, actually. Really. And, it's a Jewish concept. It, that, that, the original idea was that, that um, God lived in the temple in Jerusalem. That's why it was wow. indestructible until it was destroyed twice. Anyway, um, <laughs> but but the the thing is the thing is that that I think there's still people who who follow that that tradition of it's the house of God and and it's a sacred space set apart. Absolutely, um, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that in thinking that you also need to remember that you you can't teach that God is everywhere and in everything. And, and Christ is present in all of us, and then go, but not there or those people, <laughs> right? Um, it's, it's everywhere. And to me, that means that there must be a, there must be a more of a purpose to 
gathering as a community in a specific place, a specific place on a Sunday morning, or a Tuesday afternoon, or a Thursday night, or whenever you do, um, there must be more to it than that. And the more to it for me is that it's about community. It's about um, it's about being able to not only hear what other people think. Bearing in mind, of course, that's exactly what you're hearing, right? When somebody preaches at you, they're telling you what they think. And if they're telling you that you should think that too, you should probably go somewhere else. Um, but, but the point is that we gather together so we can do it together, right? So people should ask questions. People should have their own thoughts. Somebody standing at the front and talking for 25 minutes on a Sunday morning about something should always be framed in the context of, this is what I think, and I have some sort of you know, education and training and everything to back that up, but it's essentially what I think, and my goal is to get you to think. Not to get you to think what I think, but to get you to think. Um, and to go away and explore that for yourself kind of thing, right? And and again, like, I'm, I'm putting myself out of, job, out of a job here, but you shouldn't have <laughs> to be in church in a pew on a Sunday morning at 1030 to do that. You can do that anytime. You know, I never recognized that what you just said till just now when you've said it. Uh, that's a good point because all of these things were spurred by my interactions with organized religion. At the time, it was a funeral or a wedding or, you know, whatever. And you'd hear some scripture. And um, it was sitting there in that chair at that time and hearing this and thinking, like, that got my wheels spinning enough to go and challenge some ideas and decide what I liked and what I didn't. So, I mean, if that's the goal, then I'd say it's highly effective. Cause it is, well, the goal <clears throat> is, from my my point of view, the, the goal is to get that to happen and... Not so that I can then tell you you're wrong and you should think like I think, right? Or that there's something wrong with you or that you're a sinner and, you know, you're going to burn in the fiery pit. The, the goal is to create dialogue and, and build community around people um, sharing what they think and how they feel. Um, and, and, and to me, that's a point of having, having a specific sort of, um, like, like how many churches are there in Bashaw? Four, five? different denominations um that you you do that because you can go to one church uh, if you like you you have the that same sort of mindset or same way of thinking as people there if you're not comfortable you try another church you ch and it shouldn't matter what the label is it shouldn't matter whether or not you feel like you belong there um and and sure different denominations have we have statements of faith and we have creeds and we have all that kind of stuff um but they shouldn't be um, they shouldn't be unquestionable, mm -hmm. right? You shouldn't, you shouldn't have to like sign on the dotted line, um, to, to say you agree 100% with that. In fact, if you were to say, I agree 100% with that, I'd be a little suspicious. Um, <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? Like, cause yeah, you shouldn't, you should have yeah. your own opinion. Um, and, and it is uh, common though. It is common. I'll right. tell you a story. I went to a, a funeral one time. I'm not even going to name the the denomination because you know why but um they're pretty strong believers and uh after the funeral the minister came up and said uh, hi how are you you know my name is so-and-so i said hey my name's ty nice to meet you he said oh do you uh how did he phrase the question are you on the path or something like that and i said yeah i'd say and he said which you know basically he was asking me what my denomination was and i said uh I don't have a denomination, but I'm definitely a believer. And 
he like a flip switched. He said something about to the effect of, well, we all have to make our own choices. And he turned and walked away. It couldn't have been more apparent that it wasn't the answer that he wanted. And I thought, you know, and this is later in life, so I'd had a little time to think about it. And, and I thought, what a shame, because if I was somebody who wasn't as steadfast in my belief, who was maybe needing some, a life preserver, you know, there was a chance to extend an olive branch and mm -hmm. uh, completely missed opportunity. Yeah. Personally, uh, I always think that um, that um, the people, uh, pe denominations, or, or, uh, that's such a bad way of saying that um, because it kind of puts a label on it, but, but people who feel um, so secure in their faith because everything's very black and white and it's like this, you know, I go to this church where I'm told this and that's what I think, that's what I believe, and that's a much more fragile faith to me than somebody who says I have doubts. Because if you have doubts and you have questions, you're prepared for the fact that what you believed yesterday, you might not believe three weeks from now. D do you know what I mean? It, mm -hmm. I'm not suggesting that there's necessarily a, uh, it's a fluid faith. Mm -hmm. It's just, actually, that's entirely what I'm suggesting, I think, is that faith is fluid, right? It, it's um, what's true at the heart of it stays there. But how you um, sort of organize yourself around that or how you think around that also depends on how you experience life um, and and that's gonna change right and it might cause you to question your faith it might reaffirm your faith for you um, but your experience of that should be your experience of it not because somebody told you or you know <laughs> yeah. you signed on for something I do want to say I do reserve the right to change my mind at any time me too <laughs> <laughs> so how do you combat somebody like me <coughs> excuse me <clears throat> um, because again, I, I came around later in life and I, I realized that I had my reservations about the organization of religion, but I never had any doubts about, um, some sort of, a an omnipotent being or some sort of, you know, something greater than what the eye can see. Again, I don't claim to label that cause I have no idea, but you know, I, I don't really buy the the bit about close your eyes and a dirt nap, you know. You know, heard that? Yeah. Well, it's about uh, what happens after you die. And, you know, a lot of people just say, dirt nap, you just close your eyes and that's it, black. Yeah. And I just thought that was a cop-out because nothing, nothing else ends. In our physical world, like everything, everything can transition, but nothing just ends. There's no, you know. I always thought. Anyhow, but so when I came to this realization that um, the two aren't mutually exclusive, I realized I bet there are a lot of people who are turned off of the idea of God because of some of the things that go along with that. The extreme views or, you know, terrible things committed in his name. But it's not necessarily the idea that they're against, that there's a creator or something. So how do we combat that? How do we, how do you appeal to those people? Uh, I'd say we don't, uh, well, I, I would say, uh, I would say there's actually lots of traditions that would probably say, yes, we have to fight that. And, and I would say we don't fight that. I think we engage that and we have conversation around it and we ask people questions and we ask them what they think and we, we, we wonder about it. Um, I think there's um, uh, 
I think there's lots of extremists in every tradition. Um, and uh, like, it's not just, it, it, you know, it's funny. It's funny. We, we have a, and it depends on how you've, how you're, you've had it represented to you. Right. So for example, if you represent, um, you know, Muslims or terrorists, a fraction, a very tiny fraction of uh, people of that faith are terrorists and everyone else in that faith will tell you, yes, they are. Why are you lumping us in with them? <laughs> um, because they're not. Um, and in fact, the victims of terrorism, most victims of terrorism by Muslims are other Muslims, Muslims. right? Um, and so we, we lump stuff together and, you know, we like the, uh, we tend to, we tend to like the story more than the truth. Right. So, um, which is again, like going back to the Bible, right? I mean, if what we're supposed to be looking for is the truth at the heart of it, and then we focus on the story part, you know, um, but so we, we kind of come by it honestly, I think, but, um, the, the thing is that, that I don't think, uh, we combat questions. I think we engage each other and we share ideas because I think we Sorry, use I different language. I don't mean, um, combat was a poor Poor choice of words. Is that a, I don't no, I don't think it I mean? at all. I don't think it is at all because I think, for example, fundamentalist evangelicals um, are very much about that. They have to fight, right? Yeah, they, they need to fight you. To, to, yeah, we even have like the the armor of God, right? Everything has a sort of a combative approach, except there's this one particular figure in the Bible that doesn't have a combative approach. His name's Jesus, and and but Jesus is all about engaging people, right? Um, and, uh, and, and finding out things, right? So, so it's great though, that, like Robin, it's great that you have this attitude of, I'm going to share and hope that that inspires people to wonder and to think, but never in, from a, a perspective of telling people what to think. But what's hard is we're still a church. We still have that label of mm. church. So the Basha United Church or the Pinocchio United Church or this online faith community as soon as you attach those words of church or faith to it people have such a uh people have such a story in their head around what that means already that to untangle from that is really difficult so it ultimately maybe it comes down to a marketing issue of like how are we communicating that's, that's, yeah that's that's because you don't know me right and that's the thing is that you're you're absolutely right in fact the vast majority I, I would be very much in the minority, even in the United Church, I'm probably in the minority, right? Uh, and the, the United Church is particularly progressive, right? Uh, n most notoriously, we recently had a minister who um, outright said they were an atheist, and um, and and the, that God doesn't, wrote a book about how God doesn't exist and everything, and um, is still a minister in the United Church. And they even to the, the point where it became a case, like it was a court in the church courts, um, and basically the end result of that was no decision. Um, but, but the thing is, it's a no win, right? Because the United Church claims, makes the claim that not only do we welcome everyone, we welcome everyone's view. And you can't do that and then say, but you can't have yours. On the other hand, there would then be people who would say, but her view is there's no God and you're a church. Um, so the, don't you have to draw the line somewhere? And, and I would say, yes, yes, you kind of do. Um, and <laughs> I, I think, I think as a, as an, as a national institution, um, the United Church needs to draw the line somewhere, but the way, the place where they've drawn that line is that 
We are a national church, but every individual congregation has the right to its own decisions, right? And so they've allowed her congregation to, basically, they've allowed for her congregation to say, we support her and we want her as our minister. Oh We're God. okay with that. So you should be okay with that too, right? Maybe the saddest sermons. So, and on the seventh day, God said nothing because he doesn't exist. Okay, we'll see you all but, next Sunday. <laughs> but, and, and actually, you know what? The thing is, the thing is that, that, um, Part of the part of the issue there is that that isn't how it goes, right? I mean, you know it is, right? <laughs> it, 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 that's not how it goes. But but that is in fact the the biggest issue of all is that like like Ben said a minute ago, um, people already have a preconceived idea of what church is, and the only way that we can possibly change people's view of that is for them to experience something different, right? And in order for them like to experience something podcast. different, of course, they have to actually engage it right and see so I, I tell this story all the time um but but it it's it's exactly appropriate here um i sometimes meet people about uh about uh, funerals um and and they'll say um you know they want a minister um to to do it and they want to have you know a little bit of scripture and stuff but they don't want church they don't want church service because they're not religious and and i'll say that's okay i'm not religious either and and they get this really weird look on their face like they don't know what to make of that and the thing is that what i mean by that is the same thing that they mean by that which is religion is the organization the structure right that we put on what we believe in order to help us understand it better at best at worst it's a structure that locks us into a certain way of behaving and if we don't do that then we don't fit into that group and we're not part of that do you know what i mean mm -hmm. and and uh, there's still so much of that, but there's being more and more and more of the understanding that it's supposed to be helping us understand. Um, and so the structure needs to be loosened up a little bit. It needs to be um, a little bit less rigid about things. It needs to account for the fact, for example, um, it needs to account for the fact that lots of people don't want to sit in a pew on a Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. They yeah. might sit in a pew on a Monday night at 7 or a Saturday morning at seven, for that matter, or they might come to a breakfast and sit around and talk about God, but they don't want to sit in a pew and sing a hymn from 1872, <laughs> you know? Uh, and that's okay. It should be okay. For lots of people, it isn't, because, you know, church is what it is. But it isn't. What it's supposed to be is a community of people sharing their faith, and there's different ways we can do that. Um, and what's most important is that we hear from everybody who wants to be part of that community and how we do that. So, so there are some churches that you know still cling to that Sunday morning. We do, but we also uh, we also like to do different thing, other things, right? We have a, a, a more contemporary group, or we do a movie thing, or we have a discussion group, or we we engage the community in things uh, and and try and move the church out of the building right and share that with people and and that's that's great it still has its failings um but the whole point is for us to create community around what we believe not exclusivity um and to make sure that everybody feels like they're welcome to engage that well i will say that um yeah there's a lot of truth in that because about maybe maybe to reach new markets, if you will, a little bit of a reformatting needs to happen. And in my own experience, when you guys painted the the rainbow 
on the mm. sidewalk out front. And I was well aware that the United Church was very progressive. And um, but when you guys did that, that was another level. I said, okay, this is something different. This is not your grandma's church, which is a good thing. You know, because there, there's a lot of that other kind of church out there. If that's what you're looking for, then it's available. But to be the one where, yeah, I think there's also a sign on the door that says we welcome all comers. We'll take, we'll, we'll take, take anybody. anybody. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. No, it's, it's, no, that's okay. Cause that's, that actually, both of those things, uh, both of those things have been an issue for, for some people. Um, because the rainbow means for, and, and, you know, the rainbow means different things. It really does. But for lots of people, it means something very specific. Um, our goal is to remind people that we welcome everyone, everyone. And when we have a sign that says, we'll take anybody, we mean anybody. And the reaction to that sign even is also, we've had people kind of go, but if you'll take anybody, then, you know, that means she'll, you know, take anybody, (laughs) uh, you know, even, you know, those people kind of a kind of a thing and i've i've so desperately always wanted somebody to say that to me like to actually say the words but that means you'll take anyone so that i could say yeah even you um (laughs) because because i think i think it's important for people to remember that that jesus did that very thing okay i gotta tell you a story you gotta weigh in because i need to have uh, the opinion of a an educated man i've got a cousin who is uh very, very staunch in his beliefs. I'm not sure exactly what his denomination is. I think it is, but I'm not going to mention it because there's no, mm. I, might, you know, I might get it wrong. And I also want to say that I really, really admire this individual. Um, you know, he's a, he's a hell of a man. But we had this conversation one day. We were putting siding on a house and uh, having this very discussion about the ins and outs of, you know, a creator and the rules, if you will. And I shared this story about me reading the Bible and Leviticus, and I said, no, God loves all his children, and he loves all his children. And uh, that was the part that he had the most trouble with, that I remember. And it wasn't that he's a, um, that he's not an open-minded guy and that he's not very loving, but it was for him, people who are evil. And he said, uh, he said, no, I can't can't abide that thought i said uh so you're telling me that hey, god it always comes back to this like you know hitler it always comes back to hitler doesn't it he said you're telling me then that um hitler is not laying in hell right now and i said no because if god loves all his children he loves all of them even the bad ones and he said no i can't i can't believe that that someone could be that evil in their life and not have to pay a toll. And then we went on and on about um, God and Satan, the viability of that. And, you know, there's so we could fill four hours just talking about that. But before we do potentially segue into that, um, what are your thoughts on that about, you know, I guess punishment is what we're really talking about. I think, uh, judgment. well, judgment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I think I, as, as human beings, right, we, we, uh, uh, we have uh, free will and we have the right to choose. And I think the line between the, the uh, 
ability to choose and having free will and judgment is very thin, right? Because you make a choice, somebody chooses differently. Um, or, you know, you think something's this way. Somebody thinks it's different, thinks differently. Um, we're, we're not too quick to go, Oh, okay. Well, that's a different view and you're entitled to that. We're real quick to go. No, you're wrong. (laughs) Right. Um, and, and you know, the thing is that, that, uh, I, I think you, I think for for all of the things in the Bible that are inconsistent, and there's lots, there absolutely is, um, and and the only the only answer I ever give to myself for that is that the Bible isn't really a book; it's like a library, and all the books are different, right? So they, uh, but the essential truth is what's important, and it's really sometimes hard to find that. Um, but but um, you know, you can't say God loves everyone. And then go accept this person or that person, whether it's on the basis of um, uh, how you have judged them to be right or wrong or on the basis of like gender or culture or anything else, right? Um, You can't say God loves everyone and then go accept, right? Uh, So um, that's one thing. Another thing too for me is that that, um, that being said, we then get into the whole issue of, well, what about people who are evil? Um, I agree. I think, uh, well, first of all, I should be clear. I don't think there is a hell. Um, but I don't think there is a hell because I think you can't say that God loves everyone and God's love and grace and forgiveness is for everyone and then go accept those people. <laughs> um, so I think, I think, uh, in fact, yes, Hitler's in heaven. Um, and when we all get there, will we recognize him? Probably not. Because... Of course, God's grace and forgiveness, like anybody's grace and forgiveness, has power. It's yeah, and so, so, and, and this really, Lord, uh, uh, your, your, uh, my beautiful aunt, aunt. Uh, yes, has a lovely way of understanding uh, how we we decide our path before we come here. And in fact, from her perspective, the people who have the hardest path here through things like being their, their existence on earth, being uh, evil and, and hurtful to others and those kind of things, that is the hardest path. And when they leave this life, they actually return to uh, goodness, right? Because in the presence of God is good. Right. That's the my my way of saying that is it's like um, that uh, poem that I quote all the time about endless perfectness. That's heaven, right? The presence of God, and um, so in the power of all of that forgiveness and love, we are different. We are, in fact, what we're meant to be uh, in our hearts. Um, when people uh, do things that we describe as evil, um, we've deviated from that. I think our inherent, our uh, our default setting is good. And when we don't behave that way, uh, it's because life experience or or any number of factors have contributed, including sort of mental health issues and things like that, have contributed to us behaving a certain way. But our default setting is good. Um, we might not live that out in this life. Um, and the point of Jesus is to remind us that we should try. Right, so so Jesus isn't about demanding perfectness from any of us in this life, or to behave um, with a certain degree of success um, at loving everyone, um, or as like as Jesus said, love your neighbor uh, as yourself. Right, or or more importantly, uh, love one another the way I showed you. 
Um, Jesus isn't expecting everyone to be perfect in that, but to make an effort. Do we always? Nope. <laughs> right. Um, and and I think I think if we're if we if but the point is to try. The the point is to make an effort. Our our experiences in life often lead us down different paths and and affect us in a way that uh, we don't anticipate. And uh, uh, you know that's to it's me. It's not for us to decide. Then is the main takeaway from that. Um, who's worthy well, of being judged? Well, in fact, if you not. want to be biblical, it actually says in the the Bible, "Vengeance is mine," says the Lord. Right. Um, that's in fact, I think I just said it in the King James version. Um, but, but Jesus is pretty clear that judgment is for God. The Bible is pretty clear. Judgment is for God. Does that mean that we can't, uh, as a society, judge people according to the societies of our, uh, standards of our society and, and do things like put people in prison or, or punish them? Uh, we're getting into a gray area there. Cause I actually, believe that that's retributive justice and we've learned that and restorative justice is probably more uh, more significant but 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 we're getting that's kind of getting off the track right that's yeah. that's we're now on the track of what does society do and and as a society we collectively together decide that right that's why we have laws. Well, I always kind of thought those were two separate thoughts though is that society's laws were built right. to protect society just to eliminate exactly you know so i don't ever thought those two things were exclusive either but even this concept of it's for god to decide i i think that the the whole concept of eternal damnation or whatever you want to call you know someone rotting in the in the pits of hell because of some mistakes they made during this tiny little span of life um, it doesn't. It just doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense that it makes perfect sense, Ben. It, no, but <laughs> no, honestly, no, we're, but th- that makes perfect sense if I want to control you. Exactly. Right. And and unfortunately, a lot of the things that a lot of the ways in which uh, I, I constantly remind people they should watch the movie The Book of Eli, um, because essentially that's what that movie is about. Uh, it's about someone who realize it's well it's actually about the main characters he's trying to uh, take a copy of the bible to a particular place it's his mission right but he's up against someone who has realized that the power of the bible is really if i have the book in my hand and i can tell you what it says in it and i'm holding it in my hand i have power over you so it's it's a tool to have power over people and and i just think like that's that's a pretty significant chunk of the history of organized religion is it's not about making your life better it's not about teaching you to live well it's about how i'm going to control you and and that's not jesus jesus isn't about controlling anybody jesus is about empowering you to live the good that is in your heart right and and loving each other and we have such trouble with that because that means we have to not only be vulnerable we have to be willing to give up our power of judgment or our power over other people in order to allow them to be who they are um and the history of organized religion is full of people who've used the bible as a weapon it just is uh and i just think that's that's sad um and uh in in some cases it's almost understandable that they got there um, that that their experience led them there, um, but you'd think by now we would have learned something from that, and uh, sadly, we haven't. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, gentlemen, I think maybe we should uh, wind it down here. Well, just we're just getting warmed up. I know we've we've <clears throat> gone over time and and we've <laughs> we've started down a few different paths that could be explored for many many hours. But um, all the more reason to have you on on the show. I think again, Ty, at some point, it would be awesome. Oh, I'd love to come back because I need to know the meaning of life. <laughs> so, well, that, that's keep that take one a in the episodes. can for me. Too, I think isn't it? <laughs> is it still forty two? The meaning? The meaning of life is 42. I think so. Yeah. I didn't watch all of them. Or listen, rather. I listened to a bunch, though. I didn't listen to all of them before I came on. Well, Where's 42 coming up? No, I think just the, the meaning of life is the number 42. Oh, I saw that's it's, what you're saying. It, it, Sorry, see, this is episode see, 42. This is, um, no, this well, is, uh, this is a perfect example, right? <laughs> is that I'm, I'm, quote, I'm actually quoting something out of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Um, where it's a book by, well, a series of books by Douglas Adams, who is a famous atheist, um, and wrote these these stories about the Earth being a supercomputer that uh, was destroyed moments before it completed its program um, by uh, by a Vogon destructor fleet who were making a hyperspace bypass. Anyway, it's very funny, but but there's so many things in it. There's so many things in it that are just so um, brilliantly insightful. Um, and, uh, and, and one of, one of them is the idea that, um, uh, one of them is the idea that they created this, they wanted, somebody wanted to ask, answer that very question. What is the meaning of life? And so this race of people created this supercomputer that took centuries, millennia even to figure out the answer to the question of the meaning of life. And they finally, it finally has an answer and they, they, you know, they're all there waiting for it to answer this giant computer. And they, and so what is the answer to the meaning of life? And the computer voice goes, you're not going to like it. <laughs> you're really not. No, tell us, tell us, you're really not going to like it. And no, no, you, you have to tell us. You're sure, because you're really not... And this goes on a bit, and then finally the computer says the answer is 42. And they're all like, what? And But the point is, what the computer says is, it's not the answer, it's the question that you're asking. And so they, they create, the result is that the Earth is created as a supercomputer to answer the meaning of what life is all about. And I just, I just think that's a brilliant way of, of getting at the, the issue being, whenever we ask that question, what's the meaning of life? It's, it's more about the question we're asking than actually getting an answer. Okay, but did you ever see the fan theory breakdown on that? Because I did read something about that afterwards. Did, do you know what I'm talking about? No. If you get a minute, if you do notes after this podcast, go read that because it's something about, there's a math equation that relates to the number 42 that breaks down and it's supposed to and it's like super super in-depth like it sounds like just a frilly like number that some writer you know threw out but it's not but there is a calculation behind it supposedly yeah yeah i don't know what it is i'm not that worldly that's cool that's crazy it sounds like i don't need to come to church it sounds like i need to go see that movie you got a couple of uh, homework <laughs> items. Yeah, yeah. We, uh, if we had stopped, if we'd stopped just a few minutes earlier, we would be at uh, forty-two minutes. But we're we're back even past that. Oh, we gotta so, go. Will we, we, I come to church on Sunday? Tune in next time. Dun, dun, dun. On six ways to Sunday. <laughs> well, you know, in the Bible it says where two or more people have gathered, there I am, or something along those <laughs> so lines. We're so we're at church right now. We're at church right now. <laughs> so thanks for coming to church, Ty. It's been a Cheers, pleasure. Gentlemen, thank Cheers. you. Cheers. This was excellent. 
We'll have to do it again. And everyone listening, thank you so much for joining us. We hope that you enjoyed this conversation and that you'll join us again another time soon. Thanks for tuning in.